And we're back for another lacrosse bucket podcast. Tanner Dillon here with y'all as always. We're starting today's podcast in Villanova, Pennsylvania, but we're talking about the Virginia Cavaliers. As Doc Aiken, we now know, will not be returning to the Cavaliers. He is playing spring football. Yes, spring football with the Villanova Wildcats. Wish him the best of luck. A lot of people messaged me over the past couple of days about this move. What does it mean for Virginia? Um, obviously, as I said, wish Doc's the best. I will be rooting him on this spring with Villanova. But as for Virginia, lacrosse, I hate to tell y'all, it's not that big of a deal. It's not. It, it honestly isn't. Um, they return three of the top midfielders from last year. Like, for real, like Peyton Cormier, he's obviously listed as an attackman. I don't expect him to play attack with Botron coming in. Um, he'll probably play midfield again this year. Uh, he had 19 points last year. And then you have Jeff Connor, who was a sophomore last year. He had nine points, and then Peter Garner had eight. Um, I expect their production to increase, and I expect Cormier's production to increase. Obviously, they only got to play six games last season. So with the loss of, like, yes, the lock, the loss of Doc Aiken is pretty, it, like, it hits this team hard. It does. The loss of Doc Aiken is tough. And if you're a Virginia lacrosse fan, you wanted to see Doc Aiken return. But he's not. And as I mentioned, you have some other pure midfielders, Jeff Connor, Peter Garno. Heck, Reagan Quinn, who will be a senior. Um, some solid options there. And I mentioned Peyton Cormier. He's a natural attackman. Played midfield last season as a redshirt freshman. He's the best returning midfielder from last season, production-wise. Now, there's another guy, and I've mentioned him before, that I think is really going to have a stellar season for Virginia. And he will do so at midfield. And that that one guy is Connor Schellenberger. Number one player in the country in twenty in the 2019 class. Redshirted last year. Spent all spring with an iPad next to Sean Cohen, the Cavaliers office coordinator. And <laughs> if, you've read any, if you've read any of the articles that have come out about Schoenberger. Like, I swear this kid is the most talked about player who has yet to play a minute of college lacrosse this offseason. If you've read any of the articles about Schoenberger, you'll know Tiffany and Cohen both have similar quotes, I believe, and kind of saying, like, those times last year in practice and looked at each other and were like, are we stupid for letting this kid redshirt? Because he was playing so well in practice. Um, he evidently struggled to kind of grasp the system and, and, and all of that in the fall, but came back and 
equipped as it does so for so many freshmen. And um, I think Tiffany's mentioned this before, like a lot of these upper echelon guys they've gotten on offense specifically. I think he mentioned Doc Sakin did this. I think he mentioned uh, Michael Krause did this. Uh, Matt Moore maybe have done the, maybe it did, did this too. Uh, where it's like they came in highly touted. They struggled in the fall, and they got back on campus in February. And by the time they got two, three games in, it clicked. Um, obviously, this is not the first situation that we've seen in recent years at Virginia of a highly touted freshman redshirting. Peyton Cormier did the same thing. I mentioned he's the top returning midfielder, obviously, natural attackman playing midfield. Um, and I expect him to play midfield again this year, as I mentioned. Um, seen that with him. I think Schellenberger is in a, he is in a similar situation. And this is going to be a big year for him. Um, if I'm sitting, you know, sitting here in November, I'm looking at who's going to start at the midfield spot for Virginia. It's Peyton Cormier, Jeff Connor, Connor Schellenberger. Garno and Reagan Quinn are two other options if you want to take out Connor. Um, but in terms of just pure production from last season, I think those are the, the Cormier and Garno, excuse me, Cormier and Connor are who you go with. Schoenberger, I think you plug in there. And look, he's a guy, you know, Cormier is a guy that can play. He's a Canadian, grew up playing boxer cross has that kind of extra dimension that a lot of field guys don't, where he can adjust to different situations better. Schellenberger, obviously Virginia, uh, Charlottesville native, played at St. Saint, Saint Anne's Belfield. He had a uh, stellar high school career, under under All-American, number one player in the country, uh, put inside lacrosse, red-shirted last year, coming in, uh, and he can play both. Attack and midfield. I expect him to play midfield. Just like Cormier last year. And then obviously in 2022, I would expect Cormier and Schellenberger to move to attack. And look, that's going to be a pretty strong attack this year. You got Botron coming in. You return Matt Moore. And you return Ian Laviano. One attackman for the Cavaliers who I've been getting a lot of questions about in terms of what his role will be this year is Xander Dixon. He's a highly rated high school prospect. Saw a lot of action in 2019 during that championship run, uh, championship season, I should say. He, um,. Let's pull up his stats here. He had 19 points as a freshman. He was injured last year, didn't play. I think he took a medical red shirt, actually, and he can have that year back if he wants anyway, even if he didn't, um, with the NCAA ruling. But I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, Taylor, you've talked a lot about Schellenberger and how he's kind of going to step into that place, um, replace essentially Doc Sakin. Where does Xander Dixon fit into this offense? That's a good question. Uh, Matt Moore 
I think will still play attack. Played mid, he was enlisted as a midfielder, I believe, in 2019. Uh, Ian Laviano will still play attack. And Charlie Botron is obviously going to play attack. He's going to be Michael Klaus QB attackman this season. He's going to be that quarterback leading the way behind the cage, um, just kind of how I'm picturing it right now. He should be. Um, obviously, very, very impressive career at Merrimack, uh, taking his talent south to Charlottesville. Charlie Bertrand is going to be a, a huge, huge impact on this offense in 2021. So, I don't think there is even a chance that we see Xander Dixon start. Maybe he starts a game or two if there's an injury. Definitely see that. But I I think Xander Dixon, what we're going to see from him in 2021 is essentially the same thing we saw from him in 2019. He is going to be their top reserve attackman. The top reserve attackman. Xander Dixon will be that again in 2021. He had 19 points, 11 goals, 8 assists as a true freshman in 2019, essentially serving as their top reserve attackman. Um, He'll do that again in 2021. We'll have the, no, I would expect him to have maybe more production. Uh, We'll see how things shake out, but we'll definitely have similar or more production than he did in 2019. Um, And I don't know where he is in his kind of recovery from um, his injury. I would assume he's 100% uh, ready to go uh, by the time the season starts, if he's not already. Uh, But I do expect him to be that top reserve guy uh, at the attack spot that he was in 2019. So kind of to circle back around and kind of gather our thoughts here uh, from all that I've talked about here with Virginia. Doc Sakin not coming back is not that big of a deal. Connor Schellenberger can step right in and I'm not saying he's going to be Doc Sakin, but he can step into that spot. You have Peyton Cormier coming back and you have multiple other options at midfield, uh, some really good options at midfield. Xander Dixon will be Virginia's top reserve attackman in 2021, obviously coming off that injury in 2020. He had the uh, the same role uh, essentially in 2019 as a freshman. And I believe he was the, uh, if he was not the top, he was top three or five player in the country in his class, which would have been the 2018 class, um, if I'm not mistaken. Now, another thing that I've been getting messaged about a lot lately, and I thought I would address it on here, is the future of the Ivy League. We obviously know they were the first to make that decision in March to cancel the season. They're the first conference to make any sort of decision uh, or cross-wise on spring sports. 
Lacrosse will not start for the Ivy League until March. That's unfortunate. Um, I don't agree with it. Down here in Kentucky and in Tennessee and Georgia and all these other southern states and even some of the Midwestern states, they are starting high school lacrosse in February, y'all. Georgia, I think I have it in my calendar right here. And obviously, just like you should in 2020, it's tentative. Um, yeah, it ain't tentative. Um, set in stone pretty much from my point of view and from what I've heard. Georgia and South Carolina will start their high school lacrosse seasons on the 8th and the 12th. Florida on the 15th. That's February. I get it's cold up there. And I get why some of y'all are applauding the Ivy League for pushing the start date back to March because you want to see that uh, full-time with everyone. First of all, that's stupid. We need February lacrosse. February lacrosse is fun. Uh, the sooner we get lacrosse, the sooner we get lacrosse. Like, I don't know how you can argue with that. I think everyone can agree with that. Um Obviously, a lot of the northern schools come down south, play High Point, Jacksonville, uh, come here, play Bellarmine uh, in the, in February. It's fine. Whatever. Uh, you know, circling back to the Ivy League and getting away from the start of the season discussion here, circling back to the Ivy League. I So people have asked me, is Ivy League lacrosse dead? Like, and I've got that a lot over the past couple weeks. One, Ivy League lacrosse is not dead. Two, it will never be dead. Now, if y'all read my article back in July on FBS schools rising in lacrosse and how that's the future of lacrosse, and by FBS, I mean FBS football schools. So um, lacrosse-wise, it would be uh, you know, Big Ten, ACC, um, and then obviously Utah as an FBS school as well. These programs are making investments in lacrosse, and they're rising in lacrosse. And kind of my argument in that article was the next decade plus in lacrosse will be dominated by FBS schools. We've seen Penn State rise. We've seen Notre Dame rise in the past decade or so. Ohio State's gotten to a title game. I wouldn't necessarily say they've risen. They've always been pretty decent. Uh, They never really played that tough of a schedule, to be honest, until they got to the Big Ten. But they've risen. Rutgers has risen uh, to an extent. Still need to get past that, what, 15 tournaments? Uh, 16 years, 15 tournaments they've uh, missed in in the NCAAs. So we've seen... These uh, FBS schools, Big Ten schools, making investments in lacrosse. Obviously, Carolina, Virginia, Maryland have always had successful lacrosse programs. And they will continue to have that, um, even with schools like Michigan, uh, who I think is the biggest sleeping giant in in the country, uh, making investments in lacrosse. Utah making investments in lacrosse. Ivy League, though, because of this, what I mentioned with FBS schools rising, and then mix that with these irrational decisions that the conference has made 
that clearly shows they don't care about athletics. They never have since about 1920, I would say, and they never will. Those two things are eventually going to meet. It, no. They're going up, and they're eventually going to meet, and they're going to be in the crosshairs of the lacrosse world. And while I think there are some schools like Cornell that will always be good in lacrosse, I can certainly see the Ivy League because of these decisions that they're making and the rise of FBS schools overall um, in lacrosse. Ivy League lacrosse will become more relevant on the national scale. All right, so the last, like, two minutes of this podcast got cut off for some reason. I don't know if it was Anchor, the app that I used to record this, or the microphone, my computer, uh, whatever. But for whatever reason, the last two minutes got cut off. I uh, apologize for that. I uh, will definitely make sure that does not happen again. haven't had that problem ever before, so I'm not sure what it was. Uh, but as always, you know, hit that five-star review button, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you also find us on Google and Spotify and many other podcast platforms. Uh, LacrosseBucket.com is the website uh, at LacrosseBucket at Tanner underscore Dimling is the Twitter handles you can use at underscore Tanner Dimling is my personal at LacrosseBucket, obviously the site's. Uh, that's also the same for Instagram and Facebook. Uh, the email at uh, G, lacrossebucket at gmail.com. You can send your questions via mailbag um, to the mailbag via email. Also send us the DMs on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back Sunday with an mailbag episode as always. Again, sorry for the audio getting cut off. I'm not sure what happened. We'll make sure that never happens again.